Welcome to this special series of the Say Yes to Holiness podcast, hosted by me, Christina Simmons, who will be your guide for this audio online retreat that's going to be focused upon continuing to help you become the saint God created you to be. This retreat, we're going to be reading from the spiritual classic, The Soul of the Apostolate by Dom Jean-Baptiste Chattard. And it's going to include a brief reflection and daily resolution. It's designed to help you incorporate and live out that wisdom in your daily life. So join with me now as we take our next step on our pilgrimage towards holiness. Hello and welcome to day 30. We begin in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, we ask you to open our hearts and minds as we pray this prayer from St. Augustine our patron and intercessor. Breathe in me, O Holy Spirit, that my thoughts may all be holy. Act in me, O Holy Spirit, that my work too may be holy. Draw my heart, O Holy Spirit, that I love but what is holy. Strengthen me, O Holy Spirit, to defend all that is holy. Guard me then, O Holy Spirit, that I always may be holy. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we are continuing today with the different aspects of how the Apostle radiates the supernatural. And we're focusing upon how the interior life makes the Apostle radiate particular qualities. And yesterday we talked about the qualities of faith and hope and charity. And today we're going to be speaking about kindness and also humility. We begin. The Apostle radiates kindness. A zeal that is not charitable, says St. Francis de Sales, comes from a charity that is not genuine. When a soul tastes in prayer the delights of one whom the church calls an ocean of kindness, it will soon undergo a great transformation. Even if a man is naturally disposed to egotism and unkindness, all these defects will vanish little by little. If he nourishes his soul upon him in whom appeared the goodness and kindness of God our Savior to the world, upon him who is the image and adequate expression of the divine goodness, the apostle will share in the bounty of God and will feel the need to be like God, spreading kindness. The more a soul is united to Christ, the more it shares in the dominant quality of the divine and human heart of the Redeemer, his kindness. In such a soul, forbearance, benevolence, compassion are all multiplied beyond belief, and his generosity and self-sacrifice may be carried to the limits of joyful and magnanimous immolation. Transfigured by divine love, the apostle will have no trouble in winning the sympathy of souls. In the goodness and readiness of his soul, he was pleasing. His words and acts will be full of kindness a kindness that is completely disinterested and has nothing in common with that which is inspired by a desire for popularity or by subtle egoism. God, wrote Le Cordar, has willed that no good should be done to man except by loving him, and that insensibility should be forever incapable either of giving him light or inspiring him to virtue. And the fact is that men take glory in resisting those who try to impose anything on them by force. They make it a point of honor to raise countless objections against the wisdom that aims at arguing everybody, or all the time, around to its own point of view. 
but because there is no humiliation involved in allowing oneself to be disarmed by kindness, men are quite willing to yield to the attraction of its advances. The little sister of the poor, the little sister of the assumption, the sister of charity, would be able to tell us of a host of conversions brought about without any arguing, merely by the power of a tireless and often heroic kindness. The unbeliever, in the presence of such self-sacrifice, exclaims, God is there. I can see him, and see that he is what he is called, the good God. He would have to be good if living with him were to be enough to make so frail a creature as man trample his own self-love under his feet and silence his most legitimate repugnances. These angels of this earth fulfill the definition of Father Faber. Quote, kindness is the overflow of self on others. To be kind is to put others in one's place. Kindness has convinced more sinners than zeal, eloquence, or learning, and these three things have never converted anybody without kindness having something to do with it. In a word, kindness makes us as gods towards one another. It is the manifestation of this feeling in apostolic men which draws sinners to them and brings them thus to their conversion. End quote. And he adds, quote, Everywhere kindness shows itself the best pioneer of the precious blood. Without doubt, the fear of the Lord is frequently the beginning of that wisdom, which we call conversion. But we must frighten men kindly, for otherwise fear will only make infidels. End quote. Have the heart of a mother, says St. Vincent Ferrer. Whether you have to encourage souls or scare them, show to them a heart full of tender charity, and let the sinner feel that your language is inspired by it. If you want to be useful to souls, begin by appealing to God with all your heart and asking him to fill you with charity, which is the compendium of all the virtues, in order that by its means you may efficaciously attain the end you have in view. It is as far a call from natural kindness, which is nothing but the result of our temperament, to supernatural kindness in the soul of an apostle, as it is from man to God. The former may arouse a certain respect, even sympathy for the minister of Christ, and sometimes it can even divert an affection that belongs to God alone and direct it to his creature. But it will never induce any soul to stir itself up with a pure intention of pleasing God to make the sacrifice that is necessary if it is to return to its creator. Only the kindness that flows from a close friendship with Christ can achieve this result. An ardent love of Christ and a true flair for saving souls will give an apostle all the daring compatible with tact and prudence. Here is a story that was told us directly by an eminent layman. On the occasion of a com conversation with Pius X, he chanced to let fall a few biting words against an enemy of the church. My son, said the Pope, I do not approve of the way you talk. For your penance, listen to this story. <clears throat> A priest I used to know very well had just arrived in his first parish. He thought it his duty to visit every family, including Jews, Protestants, and even Freemasons. Then he announced from the pulpit that he would repeat the visits every year. His confreres got very excited at this and complained to the bishop, and the bishop in turn sent for the culprit and reprimanded him severely. My lord, answered the priest modestly, Jesus orders his pastors in the gospel to bring all his sheep into the fold. How are we going to do that without going out after them? Besides, 
I never compromise on principles, and I confine myself to expressing my interest and my charity towards all the souls entrusted to me by God, even the ones that have gone furthest astray. I have announced from the pulpit that I would make these visits. If you formally desire me to give them up, please be good enough to give me this prohibition in writing, so that everybody may know that I am simply obeying your orders. <clears throat> Moved by the justice of this appeal, the bishop did not insist, and in any case, the future proved that the priest was right. Because he had the happiness to convert a few of these strays, and inspired all the others with a great respect for our holy religion, this humble parish priest, by the will of God, eventually became the Pope who is now giving you this lesson in charity, my son. Therefore, cling firmly to your principles through thick and thin, but let your charity go out to all men even the worst enemies of the church. <coughs> Excuse me. Apostle radiates humility. It is easy to understand how the goodness and kindness of Christ attracted people to him in crowds, nor is there any doubt that they were just as powerfully drawn to him by his humility. Without me, you can do nothing. The apostle raised up by his creator to the exalted position of collaborator is destined to become an instrument in the performance of supernatural works, but only on the condition that Christ alone be seen as the one who does these works. The better the apostle knows how to keep out of the picture and remain impersonal, the more surely will Christ show himself. But without this impersonal quality, which is the fruit of the interior life, the apostle will plant and water his garden in vain, and nothing will grow. True humility has a special charm that comes directly from Christ. It has something of the divine in it. In proportion to the apostle's zeal to efface himself and let Christ alone be seen as performing the work, he must increase, but I must decrease. Our Lord will give him a greater and greater power over the hearts of men. That is how humility becomes one of the chief means of converting souls. Believe me, St. Vincent de Paul said to his priests, we will never be any use in doing God's work until we become thoroughly convinced that of ourselves we are better fitted to ruin everything than to make a success of it. The reader may perhaps be surprised to see us returning so often to the same ideas, but it seems to us that the only way to drive them home and firmly establish their importance in your minds is to keep on repeating them. Is it not true that failure very often comes largely from a high-handed way of doing things and errors of superiority? The so-called modern Christian wants to preserve his independence. He will consent to obey God, all right, but God alone, and therefore he is only going to take orders or direction or even advice from a minister of God when he is quite sure that the orders do come from God. Consequently, the apostle has got to cultivate humility, and only the interior life will show him how, to the point of effacing himself and disappearing from view, until those who look at him see right through him to God, so to speak. And thus he will carry out the master's words, He that is the greatest among you shall be your servant. Be you not called rabbi, neither be you called masters. The mere outward appearance of, man, of a man of prayer can teach men the science of living, that is, the science of prayer. Why? Because his humility breathes the sweet fragrance of dependence on God. This dependence, which is the unvarying disposition of such a soul, manifests itself by a habit of recourse to God under every possible circumstance, either in order to come to some decision or to seek consolation in all troubles, or else to obtain the strength to overcome them. 
in the common of confessors, not pontiffs, in the breviary, the priest reads St. B's wonderful comment upon the words of the gospel. Fear not, little work and little flock. The Savior, he says, calls the flock of the elect little, either by comparison with the multitude of the reprobate, or better still, because of their great zeal for humility. For no matter how great and extensive his church may have become, he wills that she should ever grow in humility right up to the end of the world, and thus arrive at the kingdom promised to be to the humble. This text draws its inspiration from the powerful lessons of our Lord to his apostles, when, for instance, they wanted to turn their apostolic vocations to their own personal profit, and showed themselves so full of ambition and jealousy in their expressions of that desire. You know, he said, that the prince of the Gentiles lorded over them, and they that are the greater exercise power upon them. It shall not be so among you, but whosoever will be the greater among you, let him be your master, and he that will be the first among you shall be your servant. But, asked Bordeloup, would not that take away the power of authority? There will always be enough authority among you, if there is enough humility, and if humility is lost, authority will become an intolerable burden. <clears throat> if the apostle has not humility, he will go to one or two extremes. It will either it will be either a matter of careless and excessive familiarity with all its free and easy licenses, or else the domineering over everybody else. The latter case is the more likely. Leaving questions of doctrine to one side, let us suppose that the apostle has enough sense to protect his mind from an unlimited tolerance on one hand, and on the other from a harsh and bitter zeal, of which the excesses would be very displeasing to God. Let us credit him with good, sane principles and correct knowledge. When all this has been granted, we still affirm that without humility, the apostle will not be able to hold a middle course between the two extremes, and that this that his behavior will either betray weakness or, more likely, overweening pride. On the one hand, he will yield to a false humility and become timid, allowing the spirit of charity to degenerate into weakness. He will be ready to make an exaggerated concession, to seek consolation at any price, and a thousand pretexts will serve to overcome his zeal for maintaining his principles. He will be prepared to sacrifice them for any motive of human prudence, or any immediate material gain, without a thought for the ultimate consequences. Or else, on the other hand, his purely natural way of doing things, and the misdirection of his will, will bring into play his pride, his touchiness, his ego. There will follow any number of personal dislikes, attempts to lay down the law, bitterness, spite, rivalries, antipathies, jealousies, a purely human desire to get ahead of everybody else, calumnies, backbiting, sarcastic talk, a worldly spirit of partisanship, great harshness in defending his principles, and so on. The glory of God, instead of remaining the true end in the pursuit of which our passions can be sublimated, will be reduced by such an apostle as we are describing, to the level of a pretext and a means of supporting and encouraging and excusing his passions and all that is weakest and most human about them. The slightest attack upon the glory of God or upon the church will be the signal for an outburst of anger in which the psychologist will be able to see that the apostle is rushing to the defense of his own personality or of the privileges of his religious caste and society insofar as it is a human group and not showing devotion to God's cause, which is the sole reason for the existence of the church 
insofar as it is a perfect society instituted by our Lord. Correct doctrine and good judgment will not be enough to preserve him from these aberrations, because the apostle without interior life, and therefore without humility, will be at the mercy of his passions. Humility alone, by keeping him to the path of right judgment and preventing him from acting on impulse, will maintain a more perfect balance and stability in his life. It will unite him to God, <clears throat> and so make him participate, in a sense, in the changelessness of God. In the same way, the frail strands of ivy become strong and stable with all the unshakable strength of the oak, when, with all its fibers, it clings to the sturdy trunk of this forest king. Let us therefore not hesitate to recognize that, without humility, if we do not fall into the first error, our nature will carry us into the second, or else we will float in and out with the tide, according to the circumstances or to the impulsion of our passions now towards one extreme, and again towards the other. We will bear out St. Thomas's words that man is a changing being, constant only in his inconstancy. The logical result of such an imperfect apostolate will be either that men despise an authority that has no strength, or mistrust, and even detest, an authority which does not give forth any reflection of God. So today is a bit longer and way to go for hanging in there. Um, so our resolution is going to be a very quick and easy one. So we talked about uh, kindness and also humility today. Tomorrow, uh, I can uh, guarantee it's going to be uh, much shorter. But today, your resolution is to show kindness. To be kind to someone because it's what Jesus would do. So know of my continued prayers for each and every one of you, particularly as you go to do an act or say a word of kindness to another person today so that they may experience the same kindness that Jesus has shown us. God bless. See you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this episode of this special series of the Say Yes to Holiness podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you think of others who may benefit from listening, be sure to share the podcast with them. Until next time, know of my prayers for you to be given whatever graces you may need to continue doing whatever it takes on the journey towards holiness, so together we can tell the master of death, not today. God bless.